I'm Jacob Weiss. I'm Logan Elrod. And we minored in film. So uh, we'll start off this episode, you know, the the huge talking about what's what's the latest Before the film news. <laughs> the, the appetizer, if you will. Appetizer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll just, you know, scroll through a little film news, talk about it, see what stands out. Um, all right. We're always using the, you know, very reliable empire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it looks like. Joaquin Phoenix is to star oh, in uh, Ari Aster's Disappointment Boulevard. Hopefully, it's not a disappointment. Yeah. Oh, uh, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm very excited for it. How do you like uh, Ari's movies? Um, so I mean, obviously, like disturbing, unsettling. Uh, um, hereditary. <laughs> no, not yeah, yeah. No, Hereditary. I like. Um, Midsummer. I don't like. Yeah. So, but I mean. Well, I think Joaquin Phoenix will lend himself well to the the sick mind. Yeah, so I've enjoyed aspect. both of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I am such a newbie to the horror genre mm-hmm. that I'm always trying to look for good horror movies, and uh, his stick out to me. And I like Midsummer and Hereditary, so I'm very excited for his new Disappointment Boulevard with a great actor who's mm-hmm. also kind of. You know, but see, <laughs> Ari, like when you watch his interviews, he's just a normal guy. But yeah, Phoenix, when you watch his interviews, you can tell he, you can tell like, oh, that dude did grow up in a cult. But anyway, yeah. here or there. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited for it. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, do you know what it's going to be about or do we just have like the name? And I stuff? read the headline and like, I think the first paragraph, I, I don't think they know anything. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong though. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, also, they just dropped a new Red Band trailer for Mortal Kombat. Okay. Yeah. Um, I never really played the games. Maybe like you know, I think during a college orientation, <laughs> I played it with. Oh, for a they little do bit have that. Some guys. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I also did that. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I have no attachment to the game, anything like that whatsoever. When I first heard they're making a movie, I was like, "That's gonna be stupid." But then I watched this trailer, yeah. and maybe it still will be stupid, but it looks pretty badass, though. <laughs> yeah, so I've played the... God, what is it called? I know it's the version for the PS3. Somebody's going to be getting mad. It's Mortal Kombat something. I think it's just called Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I've played the games. I played the arcade game in arcade one time. Um, I really played the PS3 version. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I really like Sub-Zero, like most people, and they mm-hmm. put a lot of emphasis on him in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so I think Mortal Kombat, it should be bloody and gory and just show as much fighting as possible, and that mm-hmm. trailer looks like what we're going to get. Yeah, and the trailer look like looks like it knows that it's ridiculous, yeah, and I think I mean, it's just going with it, which is what you have to do, I think, when I you have a concept like that. I don't think you need like a good that. plot line. Yeah. yeah. Mortal Kombat, everybody, ha- it's a tournament, so just do that yeah. and add something... They're going to watch it for the action. Yeah. You know. Um, will you watch it uh, in theaters or because it's Warner <laughs> Brothers? Will you watch in theaters or on, on you know, streaming I'm devices? I'm going to watch it on streaming. I'm still I will not, too. yeah, still not comfortable with theaters right now. But, uh, well, when you know, is it supposed so, to come out? Isn't it? I think it comes out next month. I think it's March. Oh, are you serious? It's either March or April. Oh, I didn't see that. Actually, see, I yeah. thought it was coming out next year. No, no, no. That's coming out soon. Oh, yeah. I'm, well, okay. I think Godzilla vs. Kong is next month. So maybe March. this one's not till April. Okay. I think Tom and Jerry's coming out soon, too. Yeah, I saw that. Which I really don't care about, but I'll probably watch just to just because it's something new. I feel like we've talked about Kong versus Godzilla a lot. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm, it better not flop. I'm just going to yeah. say that. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Next up, um, oh, it looks like Danny Elfman is going to be doing the score for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a okay, cool. frequent um, Sam Raimi collaborator, so that's yeah. cool. Um, did you see the Cruella trailer with Emma Stone? I did. She looks good, and uh, I think that's like the perfect fit. Yeah. I, um, I yeah, don't... she does look good. I don't care about <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I'm going to watch it, but I don't know. Uh, I don't think it'll be a very it, exciting movie. It looks very dark for a, yeah. a Disney movie. It actually, it, might be it good. looks like Disney's Joker. I'm actually, <laughs> yeah, of. I'm very curious about it. Um, uh, I think they, Emma Stone's a great actress, so I'll mm-hmm. definitely watch it. Yeah, I think I just, I literally know. I'll watch that over Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just not a big um, gore guy, so. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. But you like uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But see, that has like, I don't know, that has like a plot to it. Uh-huh. Midsummer, eh, shaky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like the old people. Uh-huh. You know, pro old people here. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't, I'm not looking forward to this at all, but maybe some people are, so good for you. But uh, it looks like Tim Burton is directing oh, his yeah, first live action series. About Wednesday Adams for Netflix. Yeah, I don't. I like Tim Burton's, uh, but I don't know how I feel about that. We'll mm-hmm. see. I'll check it out. Yeah, I just like. Um, it's just his latest things have been most have been flops for me at least. Yeah, and in the box office. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. I'm not as big as fan, but also I'm kind of like I feel like the Adams family's had so much stuff coming out lately. Because I'm pretty sure there's still some other like, like a, show in the works. Do you guys too. out there really like Adams family that much? Because personally, I don't really have that much of an attachment to yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah, because I mean I watched the like um, animated movie yeah. that came out. It was okay. Um, I mean, it was about what you expect for like a generic kids animated film. I just didn't know film. there was so much of a market space that they have these many like films yeah. and content for it. Yeah. I didn't know it. Maybe I'm just, mm-hmm. I mean, I really enjoyed the musical that they put on at the, the yeah. school that we go to, but like, yeah, those, as far as the movies and stuff go, I didn't know. So there's a bunch of like license that you can now do like 1984 and the great Gatsby and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, please someone fund the Muppets to start doing <laughs> rend- ad- adaptations of these movies. Uh-huh. Would you not love to see like a 1984 Muppets movie? <laughs> anyway, that was, off <laughs> uh, all right. It also looks like, um, I guess Zack Snyder has said that he's developing a King Arthur film. Um, I feel Yay. like we have enough of those. <laughs> um, but okay. Do we even have uh, a good one? <laughs> like the animated one's pretty good. Yeah. But that's it. Mm. I don't know. I haven't really seen many. I just know that there's probably too many of them in existence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That looks like most of the, the big news. It's um, good to have a little like not breaking industry changing news yeah because i feel like yeah. god the beginning of <laughs> 2021 was crazy uh-huh all right so i guess we can move on from the appetizer move into the the entree yeah uh what are what's the entree is it meat and potatoes i'm hope you had a good ad break uh <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's where we're inserting the ad. <laughs> yeah yeah so um this is episode 16 i believe and we are doing goodfellas 1990 uh so you know i hope you watch along uh this movie does have a lot of viol- violence and some uh racial slurs so if you do mm. watch it before you come over here just know that 
All right, let's get into the description. A young man grows up in the mob and works very hard to advance himself through the ranks. He enjoys his life of money and luxury, but is obvious to the horror that he causes. A drug addiction and a few mistakes ultimately unravels his climb to the top. Yep. Yeah. What do you think about that one? <laughs> Is that one good? Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. All right, that's the Google one. Uh-huh. I, dude, IMDb sucks at their descriptions. <laughs> half the time, it's like half a sentence that's yeah. like the most generic It was like thing. mob guy experienced mob life or something. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. that, but it was basically. I know, like for Get Out, it's like, man, visit girlfriend house. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like a wow. caveman is right. I know they're trying to keep it short, but anyway. Uh, so this was directed by Martin Scorsese. Um mm. One of my favorite directors, uh, he's actually, we probably should have touched this on the news, but he's he's had some controversy again, saying like some like movies aren't respecting cinema, but he's also mm-hmm. coming out with a new film. It's going to be, God, what is it called? I don't know. It's with uh, Leo, though. Okay. Leonardo is DiCaprio. he doing Netflix still? I don't know if it's going to be Netflix or not. Mm. I didn't read too much into it. But See, he, he likes to complain, but until he gets that Netflix money, you know, who's selling out Irishman? now, Marty? Yeah, right? no. Marty. Yeah, I'm going to be calling him Marty throughout. I know, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so this movie was written by Nicholas Pileggi and Martin Scorsese. It's produced by Warner Brothers. And it is starring uh, Ray Liotta as Henry Him, uh, Hill, James Conway, which plays uh, by Robert De Niro. Tommy DeVito is played by Joe Pesci. Karen Hill is played by... Lorraine Bracco and Paul Servino is played by Paul Cicerio. I think that's how you say his name. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. And so the budget was $25 million and the box office hit was $46 million. So it wasn't that big of a take, mm. um, but it's decent. Yeah. I mean, still made a little bit of money. It's hard to tell because like inf- inflation like is so crazy now mm-hmm. that it's like it only made that much, but yeah. it was 1990. So. so was this one of his earlier films? Uh, he did a lot of movies before that, um, but no, not really. Okay. Now, he's been around for a while. Yeah. Because Martin, I'll I'll speak on it in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it was nominated for six Oscars, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Ad- uh, Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress, and Best Editing. So it won only one, and it won for Best Supporting Actor by Joe Pesci, and his acceptance speech was five words, it's my privilege, thank you. And he just walked off stage. <laughs> he's thinking he's Alfred Hitchcock or something. Yeah, I mean, but you would get that from Pesci. Like, uh-huh. There was a picture that leaked literally like a week ago of his uh, Long Island house that he had bought from the 90s and still owns. Uh-huh. And it... Look, he didn't update it at all. It's just a bunch of his movie posters, and it looks straight from the 90s. He hasn't done anything with it. It's funny. So what was your initial reaction to Goodfellas? Well, I watched Goodfellas a while ago. It's been a few years. Um, it's one I didn't really remember very well, so it was uh, it was nice watching it again. Um, I I like Martin Scorsese, and I respect Martin Scorsese. He's not one of my favorite directors, per se. Um, I Maybe just all of his movies, his style isn't one like totally my thing, but I still definitely respect it. But, I mean, I like it. I like Goodfellas. Um, I thought it was well done. I, I like the stories where that kind of like span, you know, kind of across somebody's like life almost like it's, I, I enjoy watching those. They're not always my favorite type of movie. I, I think I tend to gravitate more towards movies that have like a specific like storyline and stuff, which this one kind of 
doesn't like you know you're watching the movie and you know that it's about his life but you don't really know what the goal is here you're kind of just there for the journey which I, I liked it every once in a while so it's um it's nice and I, I can tell he likes to do that in a lot of his movies I mean the Irishman was kind of the same thing yeah he does do that in a lot of movies mm-hmm. so let's talk about old Marty Martin Scorsese so he's one of the major figures of the new Hollywood era so the new Hollywood era was basically it was power of directors instead of producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- think that happened in late sixties. I might be wrong. Late sixties, early seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been around for a while. He's widely regarded as one of the most significant directors in American film history. Uh, Scorsese's body of work explores themes such as Ital- Italian American identity, Catholic concepts of guilt and redemption, and faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you watch. His movies, most every single one of his movies, like about at least one of those things. Yeah. See, you know, I was just saying, but I realized I love Wolf of Wall Street, but that's also kind of just the... Yeah, Rise and like, Fall. Yeah, Rise and Fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so he's one of my favorite directors, like I said. My favorite um, Scorsese movie is Raging Bull, uh, which is kind of... A lot of people say that, but I think... It's one of the uh, masterpieces I've seen personally, and I will do that one day, but I chose Goodfellas because mm. it's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's your, I was going to ask, what's your favorite Scorsese movie? Probably Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, um, that's a fun one. Yeah. See, <laughs> the the film minor that I am, uh, there's yeah. still a lot of these like classic, like older movies, like a lot of his earlier work that I haven't seen. I've what most of the movies I've watched probably have just been from the last like two or three decades. Um, I'm trying to watch some more, some more older things, but like, yeah. I'm not crazy about taxi driver. Um, I, I do like Goodfellas. I remember liking the departed, but I don't remember much about I it. I actually just recently, cause I kind of missed his early two thousands era, like the departed. Uh, and I actually didn't really like it. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but, that's another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, his movies, most recently he did The Irishman, which was 2019, or was that a 2020 film? That was 2019. 2019? Mm-hmm. And uh, Wolf of Wall Street, and you said, wait, what did you just say your favorite one was? I forgot. I think Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Okay. So, this story was actually a uh, original story, and Scorsese does this quite a few times, The Irishman being, including one, and Wolf mm-hmm. of Wall Street. He takes it from um, books. So- he read this book titled Wise Guys, who was written by Nicholas Pelleggi. And when um, and when they called each other, he said, I've been waiting for this book my entire life. And Pelleggi replied, I've been waiting for this phone call my entire life. <laughs> so they immediately struck up a deal. Scorsese said he couldn't like officially tell him, like, we're going to make this movie. And he was like, I don't care. Let's mm. start the script. Yeah. <laughs> so they started writing the script. And um, the novel is a nonfiction uh, novel that chronicles the life of Henry Hill, a mobster who turned informant, which is our main character. Mm. And he's a real life dude who sad. Well, he passed away mm-hmm. in 2012. And uh, Scorsese didn't want to make another mob movie. Uh, he wanted to make a movie that was true to real life. Uh, so uh, this film kind of has some controversy about Italian Americans showing them in kind of a bad light. Mm-hmm. Scorsese said, you know, he used inspiration from his own life. Uh, he is Italian American. He grew up in the east side of Manhattan where there was a lot of these wise guys. And he said a lot of these characters are based off of guys he's heard of from the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said some of his uh, most entertaining stories 
we're from wise guys on the street corners, you know, talking about kind of things aren't funny like murder and stealing, but they, you know, it's it's normal life from them and they yeah. kind of take a hum- humanity side and a comic relief mm-hmm. side. Yeah, you see that a lot in the movie. There's a lot of times where he's like, "Yeah," and then and then I beat the shit out of him. Yeah, right. Like, ah. <laughs> I stabbed him, you know, stuff like that. So he said, you know, he was trying to make a mob movie that was kind of just about their day to day life, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I don't know anything about the mob or anything. <laughs> I, I think it was it it was very day to day life type of movie. Mm. Um, you know, you do go throughout his life. Yeah. Uh, Scorsese wanted you to like the characters, even though they are doing terrible things. Did you like any of these characters? Um, did you like I mean, Henry Hill? I don't. I didn't like them, as in like, oh, I like I like that guy. Yeah, but, but like, <laughs> I mean, I I thought that most of them were like entertaining to watch. Like, I liked them in that way. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. So uh, Martin Scorsese, although he said he didn't want to make another mob movie, he did take inspiration from. Um, Older Warner Brother mob movies from the 30s, such as Public Enemy and the Roaring Twenties. I have seen Public Enemy, and it was actually pretty good. Okay. So if you want to go check it out, yeah, do it. I have not, so I should. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Nicholas Pileggi and uh, Martin Scorsese worked on the script. Martin Scorsese um, didn't really type. Nicholas Pileggi did most of the typing, but Nicholas Pileggi didn't know how to write a script. He didn't know how to make a movie, so he would get... Martin Scorsese would write stuff in margins such as, like, change this, like, change that, put a shot here, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had to actually change the format of the script because it's a very basic plot. It's a rise and fall plot that you see a lot, such as Public Enemy. But he didn't want you just to go straight from him being a kid and then growing up, so that's why they did to... Martin said he had a vision in his head of some guy just being in the trunk at the beginning of the movie, and that's why you see that. Because uh-huh. they didn't want to just go straight to kid to growing up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like that, too. Yeah. It, it kind of, yeah, that's the, the hook <laughs> the grabs you in there. <laughs> so this movie uh, has to do a lot with individual characters. Um, and, of course, like I said, his inspiration came from, because these are all real-life people. Uh, James Conway, I think his last name is different just because he was still in jail and he was still alive when the movie came out. So mm-hmm. I think legal reasons, they probably had to change his name. Yeah. Cause I think I looked him up and it was a different name. Yeah. It was a different name. I think mm-hmm. most of the other ones are real names. Um, so yeah. So Henry Hill, like I said, in real life, he passed away in 2012. Uh, so Henry Hill treated mob life as like a, such a casual way. And I mm-hmm. think the end sequence where they call the last day of a wise guy really tells it. Uh-huh. He puts like, when he goes to Conway and uh, with the guns, he doesn't want the guns. He's like, that's annoying, but he doesn't get mad. It's just as annoying as him having to make that sauce for the dinner at night. It's yeah. the same level. Uh, for us, normal people, having illegal stuff like that would absolutely freak us oh, out. Oh, yeah. You know? That's so true. <laughs> and uh, that was how uh, Henry Hill lived his real life. According to Henry Hill before he passed away, he said that... Um, his the book and the basis was pretty accurate, and he even said Joe Pesci's portrayal of Tommy was like ninety to ninety percent accurate, which mm. 
is very scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he said the the reason it's not a full hundred percent is because uh, Tommy was not as small as Joe Pesci. Uh huh. So right. <laughs> <laughs> that can really show you that these guys are mobsters, and it's it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. So. It's like, <laughs> sorry, it's it's kind of funny to me also because obviously they didn't have the, the de-aging technology that they used for the Irishman back then. All right, so I'm going to go directly into that because okay. you brought it up. Okay, right. so we'll talk about Tam- Tommy DeVito, who was played by Joe Pesci, who won an Oscar for this role, but he almost didn't get the role. Mm-hmm. So the reason he didn't get the role is because Martin Scorsese said that you look too old to play Tommy DeVito. Uh-huh. So... Uh, Joe Pesci and him got in an argument over the phone. He's like, "Fuck you! I look old enough, or I look young enough." <laughs> so what he did was he got the makeup artist. I think the makeup artist did Star Trek stuff, and he also did, or her did Raging Bull stuff. Uh-huh. So they like pinned back his forehead so he would look younger, and did like cosmetics. And then he went to Martin Scorsese and was like, "Do I look young enough?" And <laughs> apparently they had another like little fight, but of course he pl- ends up playing. The legendary character of Tommy DeVito, uh-huh. who ended up winning him an Oscar, it does take it away a little bit. Joe Pesci looks really old to be uh-huh. playing this young twenty-one-year-old. Yeah, I know because there's that one part where they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, you're like a twenty-one-year-old." I almost yeah. spit out my drink. I was like, "Excuse me, he looks fifty. What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, and so yeah, he plays a hothead that has something to prove. You know, and while you watch the movie, you're like, he has like short man syndrome, but Tommy DeVito (laughs) wasn't short in real life. Uh So that could have been it. He was just a hothead, said something to prove. He wanted to be a made man, and he takes everything you say very personal and uh, really ends up, you know, cracking people. And he is the pivotal part of, and the first part of the movie, it shows like how lavish the mob life can be and mm-hmm. it's really a fun opening yeah but tommy devito ends up shooting the kids and shifts the whole tension of the movie which you can really see the dark mm-hmm. side of the mob life yeah i know he's on the first started up i'm like that seems like a pretty sweet gig <laughs> <laughs> right get the car get the suits uh-huh. so we'll talk about james conway uh who is played by robert de niro he's one of my favorite actors so james conway in the movie and in real life was supposed to be this kind of expert mob guy he knows the ropes he knows what he's doing and he actually loves to steal Mm -hmm. um and he has a passion for it like maybe you say you have a passion for movies he liked stealing Mm -hmm. which okay and (laughs) (laughs) to each their own so when robert de niro was playing james conway he's a very he wants to get everything right even though all these actors grew up in this type, well, in this type of environment, or at least around the guys, they most of these guys grew up in New York and New Jersey, mm. and uh, so he would call uh, Nicholas Pileggi or Henry Hill and ask them like every morning uh, before they went to shoot, like, "How do you hold a cigarette? How do you take a shot? Like, how would you say this? How do you hold a gun? How would you do this to this guy?" He wanted to get everything of the portrayal of mob life, mm-hmm. which. I think he did a great job. You don't see much of De Niro in this movie as most of Scorsese movies, mm-hmm. uh, which I kind of forgot when I was watching. I was like, I feel like he has more lines. Um, he does yeah. have plenty of lines, but uh-huh. I just thought he was more. So uh, Ray Liotta, what did you think of his performance in this movie as Henry Hill? 
<laughs> I thought his performance was good, except it was the most distracting thing ever to me. Whenever they were at some like, I don't know, some scene where there's a big group of them and they're laughing. No, don't say it. You talking uh, about the uh... the laugh, whatever that faces he's making when yeah. he's laughing, drives me crazy. That's a legendary scene. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it. Um, it's like he went like, "Hey, have you ever seen that painting?" You know, with he the, reminds me of like Cat in the, the Hat for some reason. <laughs> like when he's like laughing and his face goes up. Like uh-huh. that. I don't know, but it, yeah. yeah. So uh, he wasn't this big actor uh, back then. He almost did. Uh, he took. This role overplaying Harvey Dent in Batman whenever that Batman was in the 90s. I don't know if that's... There was a fun fact I had. Interesting. Oh, is that the one that Tommy Lee Jones ended up playing? Yeah, he turned down the part of Harvey Dent in Batman 1989. Okay, okay. I haven't seen that one, so Hmm. I don't know. Let me go to my notes. And so, yeah, uh, I think his performance was really good. They didn't want De Niro or uh, any other... Because they wanted a younger guy... They wanted a new. He wanted a new dynamic uh, with all these other actors instead of just like Joe Pesci and De Niro mm-hmm. doing the same old stuff all the time. So yeah, and then we have Karen Hill. Uh, she's the wife that's like desperately trying to hold on to her husband. She was uh, Martin Scorsese said like you're the movie star of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Which yeah, you can see she gets sucked into this lavish lifestyle of being a mob life, but she also has a fall in herself where she lets the drugs take part in her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has some pivotal, pivotal moments in the movie of character development where she, you know, almost shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> she, I know. She really is getting done dirty by uh-huh. the mistresses and stuff like that. Yeah. I was about to say, he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we have Paul Servino, the mob boss. Uh, I, I said, wow. Because I think the actor actually killed it. Oh yeah. So I loved him, Polly. <laughs> yeah. So the actor said he didn't know how to play the character. He didn't really know how to be this silent kind of murder in your eyes. And he really worked on it. And he said one day he was gonna like pick spinach out of his teeth in the mirror and he saw his eyes and he got scared. He's like, Oh my god, this guy <laughs> could murder me. Which I thought was really cool because uh, I thought that was like they just got a mob dude off the street. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, um those were the characters. Who's your favorite character? Um man. Uh let's see. I I liked um Robert De Niro's character. I think James he Conway? might have been my favorite. Yeah. I yeah. like I like Conway. Yeah, he's a slick guy. Mm-hmm. So this I also is, like whenever he started getting like super paranoid and he was like chewing everybody out for yeah, like right. buying all like the, the coats lavish and stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, pink Cadillac, uh-huh. which is very like, if you're trying to like go under <laughs> undercover and you get a pink Cadillac, mm-hmm. that stands mm-hmm. out. Um, so let's do tech talk time. So the soundtrack, when Scorsese writes his scripts, he actually writes on the margins of what music he would like in that scene. And he already has the movie kind of planned out in his head to music at some pivotal moments, mm-hmm. which uh, how many have, Scorsese movies have you seen? Um, I've seen, let's see, Wolf of Wall Street, Taxi Driver, uh, Goodfellas, The Departed, um, Silence. Oh yeah, Silence, I forgot about that. Um, man, is that really it? That oh, yeah. oh, in The Irishman. Yeah, so, well, you've seen, uh, a few of his movies, so you know about mm-hmm. his sound, his soundtracks. You have a lot of popular music. Uh, it was actually very diverse, so you have music from, like, 
the 50s from Tony Bennett and the Moonglows to all the way to uh, Sid Vicious, who's a punk guy, and uh, Mick Jagger, who is Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of diversity in the track, and the soundtrack actually kind of develops as you go through the movie. Did you notice that at all? Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I did. kind of like Italian-American uh kind of 50s music to then you go to like rock and like Sid Vicious saying mm-hmm. like screw the queen and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> which was I think it was only in the credits Sid Vicious was but anyway the voiceover aspect mm. so Scorsese uses this in a lot of his movies uh, the VO uh, was a lot of direct lines from the book of Henry okay. Hill talking um, because Nicholas Pelegi would interview Henry Hill for the book a lot of people think voiceover could be a cop-out in movies that you use. Uh, Scorsese, though, I think does it masterfully. Mm-hmm. I think if you want to make a movie about everyday life, adding voiceover can help a lot to the to the viewing experience. But I want to yeah. know what you think about voiceover because um, he does do it a lot in his movies. He does. Um, I... I agree with you. Sometimes I get a, a little annoyed by the voiceover. I was like, okay, it's kinda show like a, don't tell, guys. Yeah. But, like, I, I agree. I think for his kind of movies, when you do these, like, these rise and fall stories that span over, like, decades sometimes, like, I think having that narration helps a lot because it helps you move it along quicker. It, it can keep the energy up when you have this person talking over, you know. It um, also can add a lot of humor. Like, he has a lot yeah. of humorous moments in there with his narration. Yeah, voiceover to me is it can be used really effective. It kind of has this kind of bad when people hear voiceover, they're like, "Why did you do this?" Yeah, uh, like the casino. Uh, I just think never do voiceover with Pesci. He's a great actor, but he's just like you, you can hear them reading. Does that sound weird? Mm-hmm. You can hear someone reading. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Where it just feels like they're reading it off a page. I, it's I not feel like, like uh, Ray. I don't know. Some parts I was like, he's kind of. I feel like he's reading, but some parts it, it worked very well. Yeah, I think that's just depending on the actor, though. Mm-hmm. I thought it was um interesting that he ended up having like uh, Karen also do voiceover yeah. stuff. Um, that seemed kind of sudden when it happened. I was like, oh, okay, uh, I guess Karen's talking. Yeah, now. I actually I like Karen's. I think she does it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so cinematography plays a big role. Uh, it is Michael Ballhouse. He does. Uh, I think he how many. Scorsese movies. He's done a lot. He did The Departed, uh, Goodfellas, of course, and something else I forgot. Mm-hmm. So he has a, a lot of shots. There's a lot of famous shots in this movie. Oh, yeah. So one that I've talked about before on this podcast, but it's a really famous movie shot, and it's the uh, Coco Cabana uh, Steadicam tracking shot. Mm-hmm. I want your, ex- your impressions, because you've probably already seen that shot even yeah. without watching the movie that much. Yeah, I saw I saw that shot I think back in high school was when I first saw it in like the film class I yeah. was in. Um Tracking Shot 101. Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. I mean, I he's um I imagine that's probably one of the that's probably like the most famous tracking shot, at least one of them. Um Yeah, that or the shining or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I think it was done really well. It was really cool kind of just like following them down into this. You kind of see everyone greeting him. It kind of really like sinks in for you just how like, you know, kind of locally famous yeah. this guy is with everybody. It's really cool. I don't I don't necessarily know if it was completely necessary per uh, se, Jacob. but it was really cool though, and I like it. I don't have a problem with it at all. I think the reason I like it so much is that it looks so clean but you know it was hard as hell to do. Oh, for sure. Because 
not even you know tracking the characters, which is already hard. Um, but the timing of everything, trying to be perfect, having these cooks, having the doorman, him talking to individuals, all the timing's got to be perfect. But it only took him eight times to do it. Okay, wow. That's uh, so it only actually. took one day. I don't think they even used a full day, uh, which, I mean, I would be so nervous trying to even be an extra because mm-hmm. all the timing is <laughs> just scary. Yeah. So, uh, but in the book, there's only one line that says that he went through a kitchen to the club. And that just shows you a director's mind different from a writer mm-hmm. that he took such a small line in this book that has you know hundreds of dialogue and different stories and he placed that those couple lines in the script shot it and it's now one of the most famous tracking shots in history of film mm-hmm. which is absolutely crazy to me it is i think that's something that's really kind of um more so lately i've been noticing a lot more is um yeah really like what the big differences between the writer and the director cuz i used to always think like cuz i i always knew like it's the director's movie but then sometimes I think about it and I'd be like, well, why isn't it also like the writer's movie? And like it is, but like, you know, the director is usually who always gets the credit and stuff. And I think it's been more so recently I see why that is because the script, like, sure, that's like your story and stuff. But like the director is what really focuses it in and makes all these dis- like these decisions and stuff yeah. like that. I, yeah, I agree. It's a definitely director's world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you see so many writers either turn to directors or directors mm-hmm. turn into writers and yeah. you just see such a cross pollination between the two. Um, there's a, a lot of other shots. Uh, one, I think we've mentioned a little brief Henry, uh, Hill POV shot while laying in bed, staring into a in focus gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen a lot of in focus shots that he uses throughout his movie. What was your favorite shot before I get into the other ones? Um, if you have probably, one. Well, it's probably the 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 Zolly shot that they have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think another famous one. I probably also saw in high school, but uh, yeah. I just think that one's cool because it's such a subtle effect. Where um, I had to like rewatch the last thirty minutes of the movie because I had a long day and I was like half asleep for the last uh, yeah, bit yeah. of the movie. But I did go and rewatch, and I'm glad I did because I would have missed out on a lot of stuff. So um, and that was one of those things I missed out on when I was like half asleep uh. <laughs> during that landing. But like. Because it's so subtly done, um, but then you kind of notice how the background is moving, and that's kind of when he comes into this realization that he's about to get hit next. Um, yeah. Glad you brought that up, because mm-hmm. I was going to talk about it. But you did it good, so yeah. I'll skip. Thanks for <laughs> thunder. No, I'm just joking. So uh, Michael Ballhouse said Scorsese is probably the most prepared director he's ever worked, at, worked with. Um they say when they go to shoot, they already know what they're doing. They don't even really talk about it. Mm-hmm. They just look at the camera. This is what we wrote for, you know, two months ago or whatever, a week ago. And we know what we're going to do with the shot and how we're going to set it up. Of course, they talk a little bit, but he said it's just really shoot the shot and get on with it. Yeah. I think I uh, was wa- I was listening to, I think, to another podcast once, and it was uh, it was an interview with some cinematographer, I believe. I don't remember which one, but he was talking about how he worked with Martin Scorsese on one of his films. And I don't remember what film or who the guy was, but he, <laughs> I remember he was talking about how he called up Martin and was like, hey, like I have like a couple ideas on how we could like shoot this, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of like listened to him at the end of the phone call. He was like, uh, no, you don't tell me how to shoot my film. He's like, I'll tell you how to shoot it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, he is a big kind of... 
And old directors are like this. I, I think, I don't know if this is true, but it, it seems like new directors are more collaborative. Like cinematographers, cinematographers today have such a distinct style that it, they're all their own individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you usually only talk about like, like a duo, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, I feel like in back in the day, like Scorsese says it all the time. He already has a movie in his head. Mm-hmm. He already has the shots in his head. So I guess that's why you probably shouldn't tell him what to do. Yeah. And that's, that's not to say that the cinematographer still isn't doing their own work. Cause you know, oh, they do I it all the time. Yeah. 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 Cause even when you're working with somebody like Martin Scorsese, who needs everything that specific and he has it all planned out, like he's still, you know, relies on that cinematographer for all like the lighting and all that kind of stuff that he probably can't do himself. Yeah. Just don't tell him what to do. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Just give <laughs> ideas. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, so the you kind of spoke on it, but there's another famous scene, and we have the scene with um, Tommy and Henry when they're into the uh, bar where mm-hmm. you just talked about you kind of you didn't like that scene. It seemed off to you. The one oh where they're all like like uh like so you think I'm funny? Yeah yeah. No, I don't have a problem with the scene. I just think his it's like his, how am his I funny? facial expression when he's laughing okay, is creepy. Okay. <laughs> so that sh- that scene um, is actually shot in a medium shot. And usually if you have, like, two people, most people will do a close-up and then you kind of switch. But you have a medium shot because you're showing kind of the people beside you and mm-hmm. the whole and the whole crowd that are, like, laughing or getting really serious. And um, so Joe Pesci said that that scene, he had that happen to him when he was a waitress in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. And he, he went up to kind of like a wise guy and he was like, you're funny. And... It didn't happen exactly like that, but the wise guy probably was like, how am I funny? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they kind of improv that. They wrote it, but they didn't tell all the other actors and Ray what was happening. Mm-hmm. So that was a genuine reaction from the whole crowd uh-huh. of like, like Ray's like, <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> and then he like does that weird, I don't know. Can the hat uh-huh. smile he has. I think this is how his face is. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. just like he like opens his mouth as wide as he can and Martin's just like wider. Yeah, wider. wider. All right. Wider. Freeze. <laughs> and then and then laugh. <laughs> yeah. And and Martin Scorsese's very uh, a hands on director that wants everything right. And they said that he would tie Ray's own tie for him mm. every single day so he could get it exactly how he wants. Because he's a very kind of costume guy. He needs all these guys to look like wise guys. Um and you can see this in this film. If you ever seen Casino, Robert De Niro's Vegas pastel uh, pastel suits are so dope. Mm. So I would recommend checking those suits out. <laughs> I love it when the when he's like a kid and he comes home with that suit and his mom's like, "What yeah. are you wearing?" Yeah, behind the scenes thing, he's he's like fixing the kid up in that exact scene, mm. and he's like, he doesn't look like a wise guy. We got to shine his shoes and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he's very hands on, goes the extra mile. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, this film was actually nominated for editing and editing is a big part in this movie because you have a lot you have the sequence that they call the uh last day of being a wise guy where we're going through his day his last day of him like waking up he's got to get his brother he's got to make the sauce he's got to get these guns got to meet the dude from pittsburgh get the babysitter all that yeah and uh, Scorsese loves editing, and he edits with uh, this woman named Thelma Schoonmaker, uh, mm-hmm. which has worked on all of his films, mm-hmm. I think every single one, and they edit together. And he said he just likes being in a dark room, 
and he can really just make his movie what he wants it to be. I guess he really doesn't like collaborating except with Thelma, <laughs> I'm guessing. Uh, but Thelma Shoemaker was saying that last day of being a wise guy, uh, they were kind of in there and they were like, we want to make this as like raw and jarring as we can. Mm-hmm. We just want to, you know, like quick. So you see a whole bunch of jump cuts in that last sequence of like bang, bang, you know, soup, oh, yeah. sauce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And they also said that the club scene, the famous How Am I Funny scene, uh, was hard to to edit because I, every time I rewatch this movie, I'm kind of like, when are they about to shift to the next over the shoulder of Pesci or are you going back to the, where you see Pesci mm-hmm. and the medium shot? And like the timing is different than what you would think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that, but like they – they they hold silence for a while maybe and then they flip or they really want to see the tension mm-hmm. that it you know it, it flips from funny story to how am I funny you know tell me how I'm funny yeah and then you have to switch back and forth mm-hmm. um, when they edited this movie and then they 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 showed the movie to I guess uh, focus groups or whatever Warner mm-hmm. Brothers does it was actually the uh, worst rated movie in Warner Brothers history in, like, focus groups. Wow. Uh, So it was, like, it was due to the extreme violence, and uh, it received the worst preview response in the studio's history. Uh, They didn't like the drugs. They told Scorsese and Thelma, can you guys cut out the the cocaine and all that? And they're Uh like, that's a big deal of this movie. (laughs) That's, like, the last half of the movie. And so they had a fight for it, of course, and uh-huh. made it in. But yeah, it was not previewed well at all, which I can't believe. I mean, it is the '90s, was like <laughs> cocaine. Like, what, uh-huh. you just lived through the '80s. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> scared of watching cocaine <laughs> on a screen? Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I'll never understand the whole like. I don't know. Just because you show something on a screen doesn't mean all the kids are going to go like. Starts we'll start snorting, snorting coke, cocaine. Like, yeah. I can get like there is some very like jarring slurs in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you see it in other Scorsese movies. Uh, of course, I think I've said this, but his response is that he wants to be like everyday life of what a wise guy would say. Mm-hmm. I guess it's true, but I personally, in my personal opinion, I don't think you need to add some particular slurs. Yeah, that's just my opinion though. Mm-hmm. What'd you think about Slacks or Samuel L. Jackson? I had what. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue that that was Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Um, so you had no clue. That's crazy. I thought you would immediately see him because he's, you know, had that joke how he's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, but I'm used to him like starring and stuff, and he wasn't a very big role. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, not- I think that was also when I was yeah. half asleep. So. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're right. Probably uh-huh. was. I mean, 1990, I guess he wasn't that big of an actor then, was he? Maybe um, I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but Samuel L. Jackson gets shot in the back of the head. Um, yeah, that was intense scene. I like that scene. I kind of saw it coming a little bit. The um, coffee. See, it's that comedic kind of thing with wise guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you really going to take the coffee? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, that was funny. Yeah. No, I thought that was a good scene, though. Yeah, where they start killing everybody? Yeah. You like murder, Jacob? No, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, you, you see like the, the, the fall in that point where... Everybody does does this big heist. You talked about the pink Cadillac, and then mm-hmm. they got to get murdered for it and stuff like yeah. that. So, I, know. It, I did like that kind of whole sequence of like showing them like you know cleaning up their mess and everything after. Yeah. 
So we'll do. Uh, we have a new segment. Uh, did we have a name for this, or is it just Letterbox Reviews? Uh, yeah, it's just Letterbox. We'll think of a name for it. <laughs> so uh, I chose three reviews. <laughs> These aren't very long ones. Uh, username Wyota. I don't know, man. There were some pretty bad fellows in this one. <laughs> that cracked me up. I like that one. That's good. <laughs> and then uh, on the other side, Lulu said the fellows were good. <laughs> and then Gotti Lover five thousand didn't even rank it a full star. Said no. <laughs> <laughs> So Gotti Lover Five Thousand hated this movie, uh, even though his name's Gotti Lover Five Thousand. <laughs> okay, yeah, those are the reviews I picked. Did oh you see goodness. any funny ones? No, no, okay. I didn't look through them. Yeah, there's a lot of like serious ones, and I'm like, mm-hmm. don't care. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but, like the no thing is like what I do. I'll uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so um, I was gonna talk about Fun Fact Hour, but before we get to Fun Fact Hour, what do you think of like? The resolution of all the characters. You can go through the main big three yeah. if you want to. Well, I liked um, Tommy getting. What do they call it? Getting whacked in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. I like Tommy getting Tommy getting whacked. Um, I am glad that that happened because he's a total psychopath. Yeah, he he killed a made man. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, who did he kill? Uh, bats, I think. Yeah, they bats. Them. Um, Billy he, bats or something. He killed like a made man, and he thought he was about to get made. Mm-hmm. And then he walks in. And he obviously realized, nope. Yeah. Shot. So I like that. Um, yeah, I really like that ending too for him. Yeah, I thought it was interesting at the end how um, when they're in the trial and everything, and he's like turning against the other people, and uh, they're calling him like a rat and stuff. He's like, "I'm not a rat." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, are. You are. You <laughs> but uh, are. I like that all of a sudden he like turned and looked right into the camera and started like talking to the camera. Yeah, and how that kind of brings it back full circle to like the narration that kind of like makes it fit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Henry Hill's resolution in the movie, uh, of course, he gets in uh, protective services. He actually kind of has a sad ending because in the whole movie, he's calling all these normal people that work nine to fives all jokes. They don't have balls. And he ends up living in, like, I guess his worst nightmare. He's living Mm -hmm. just a regular life, and he can't do all the things he previously did. Yeah, yeah. He can't live his normal life. He has to live ours. I know. <laughs> yeah, and then Conway gets stuck in uh, prison forever. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact hour, there's a lot. I covered some when I was going through it. Uh, but, yeah, let's get into it. Robert De Niro wanted to use real money for the scene where Jimmy hands out money because he didn't like the way fake money felt in his hand. So the prop master gave De Niro 5000 of his own money. At the end of each take, no one was allowed to leave the set until all the money was returned and counted. <laughs> That's pretty what funny. A, how picky can you be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, if you're an actor and you take your craft serious, I guess I mm-hmm. could maybe understand that. I mean, it's yeah. De Niro. So. Yeah. According to Nicholas Pileggi, some mobsters were hired as extras to lend authenticity to scenes. The, monster, the mobsters gave Warner Brothers fake social security numbers, and no one knows how they received their paychecks. Huh. So this is off of IMDb, the one I just read. I, mm. I don't know how real these fun facts are, by the way, when we read them, because <laughs> that one seems kind of, you know, a little shoddy to me. Yeah. So, I don't but know. Also, what, do you have to give your social security number to people when you're, <laughs> like, what? just trying to be an extra on a yeah, movie? Yeah, when you get paid. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a job. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
the painting that Joe Pesci's character mother brings out. Uh, what did you actually think about that painting before? Ben. That's so funny. Those two dogs. He's like, I like uh-huh. the dog. It goes one way. It goes yeah, the other it way. It was bad. fine, you know, for an amateur painter. Good job. Yeah. So that was actually uh, a real painting by uh, Nicholas Pelegi's mother. Oh, yeah. So I was wondering if you're going to say something bad about it <laughs> and just absolutely roast you for being mean to old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> when you paint like that, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't that good. <laughs> um, oh, I'm getting mixed up here. I think that was my last fun fact because I said uh, Ray Liotta played Batman or was mm-hmm. not Batman, but was gonna do Batman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was uh, Goodfellas. I'm glad. I hope you watched the movie. If you do, tell us how you like it. I mm-hmm. hope you like this episode. What are we doing next, Jacob? Or do you know? Uh, oh, no, it's Landon. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we'll have a guest. <laughs> We're very unorganized at our end of our shows. So, um, yeah, next episode will be a guest. He is also a film minor. His name is Landon Honeycutt, I believe his last name is. <laughs> uh, I don't know anybody's last name. So he will be doing uh, The Killer, and we will do that. Thank you, Eclissa Schultz, for social media manager. Thank mm-hmm. you, Annabella Ortiz, uh, being our designer. She doesn't watch these so she was like you really uh shout me out every end of episode and i was like yeah and she was like i don't believe you (laughs) but anyway thank you for listening i'm logan elrod i'm jacob weiss and we minored in film